Well, let me start out by saying happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers. So, so thankful that you're here with us this morning, and uh, we definitely want to celebrate you today. Growing up, I have been surrounded by a lot of good women, and I grew up in a, a home with a Christian mother and Christian grandmothers on both sides. I know that's not always the, the case with everyone, but I was truly blessed to be in that kind of situation growing up as a kid, and I had one grandmother on one side that I kind of would tout as Grandma the Evangelist, if, if you will. My sister and I, growing up, were always hearing the gospel from my grandmother, always hearing about Jesus. She was always watching um, Christian television programs and evangelists and teachers on TV, and we couldn't really ever escape it. My grandmother was always dragging us to church, if you will, and I'm thankful that she did. I remember my sister recently went up there to visit her and my, and my father and was reminded of the time that she had been led to the Lord by her grandmother in a car one day just coming home from church. That was one of my grandmothers. Another grandmother that I had, I, I really would kind of consider her the biggest prayer warrior that I've ever met in my entire life. She was someone that if you asked for her to pray for you, you knew that she would. She had a big long list that she had collected over several years and would get up faithfully every morning at 5 a.m. And I remember staying at her house one summer in Florida, and I don't know, if, I don't know what I was doing up at 5.30 in the morning, probably had to go to the bathroom or something, and I just hear this, you know, you can just hear her out in this, uh, <laughs> just hear her praying. And it's just awesome to know that there are people that you can ask to pray for you, and you know without a shed of a doubt they're praying for you. And who knows where in the world I would be without the prayers of my grandmother. And of course, my mom, one of the cool things about my mom as I think about, about her was being able to grow up with a mom that was in a Christian band. Some of you have heard me talk about this before, and a band called Sunshine, spelled S-O-N, Shine. And I remember one of the, the greatest gifts that was ever given by her at one point was this leather guitar strap that she had worn when she was pregnant with me and you know out here with the guitar still you know playing and it said singing for Jesus on it looked like something straight out of the 70s with you know with turquoise blue flowers and all kinds of stuff but but to me it was a very prized possession those were the kind of Christian women that I grew up around and I'm reminded of this passage in 2 Timothy where Paul is talking to Timothy and he says you know I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Timothy was a guy that was surrounded by, by godly women, his grandmother and his mother, and Paul reminds him of it. You know, that's pretty awesome to see what's happened in your life. In Proverbs 22, a great verse that says, this is a little different version, but it says, start children off on the way that they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. It's kind of this attitude of, you know what, get them off on the right bus. And there's going to be some, some wrong routes. There's going to be some, some poor directions that they take at times. But if, if, if you get them off on the right bus, if you let them know about Jesus when they're young, they're going to come back to it, if you will, like a boomerang. They will come to the Lord. They will, they will not turn from Him. And I think that's a great passage of Scripture. You know, my mom, as I think about her, she was someone that helped put me through school and recently 
uh, being sick with the flu, the most miserable sickness I'd had <laughs> ever as an adult. Remember her making and bringing me over some of this of her Toscana soup that she had learned how to make from from Olive Garden, and and taking care of me in that way when I was sick with a legit flu. But growing up, I had no reason not to know, to love, or to love Jesus, or to think honestly that I couldn't accomplish anything. There was nothing that I couldn't do. And I saw that in my mom. And I just simply want to honor my mother today. And I wish that she was here. And you know my mom right now is working just kind of like night and day for um, a nuclear power company right now. It's like very little time off, just eat, work, and sleep. And there's a bunch of people in Columbia that are in that situation in an outage, so hopefully she'll hear this later. But I want to honor her, her today. I want to encourage you to honor your mother today. And maybe you didn't grow up in the situation that I did. I don't know um, all your situations and what your mother was like. But nonetheless, the Bible does tell us to honor our parents. And, and we're going to focus on our mothers today. In Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, you've heard this before. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. It's really cool. I don't know if you catch that. It's the first commandment that if you follow it, God says, here's a promise for you, okay? If you do this, he says, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. You want to live, the promise is if you obey your parents, you respect, you honor your mom, you will live longer. That's the promise. It kind of makes sense, right? You ever heard your parents say, or your mom in particular, you know, I brought you into this world, right? And I can take you out. That's the modern version of that verse, right? I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. It says this in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. This is really interesting when you look at this. I you always think about Proverbs, and this particular talks about listening to what your mom has to say and holding it close. Listen to this. It says in verse 21, for your, as far as your mother's teaching, bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life. Maybe you think about that. Correction and instruction are the way to life. There are things that we simply need to be corrected, as in that video, by our mom, right? No, this is not the way to do it. That's wrong. Do this. Do your homework. Brush your teeth. Make up your bed. Don't eat that. Get outside, get some exercise. Think of all the things that your mom has told you to do or not to do. Correction and instruction are the way to life. We simply need to be corrected at times. We simply need to be taught some things at times. You know, growing up, my mom was a lot like the woman mentioned in Proverbs 31. I don't know if you've ever studied Proverbs 31, but it's a very interesting picture of an incredible woman. There's a lot of things there that we don't typically think about today. Brad and I were talking about this this morning, but, but she loved her family. She loved the Lord. 
and quite honestly, and this is in Proverbs 31 a lot, she worked her butt off. She worked really hard. She's always been an example of someone who could do anything if she put her mind to it, and she did. She went to community college for a couple of years to go ahead and get this basic understanding of nuclear power to go ahead and get involved in nuclear power. And then very late in life, she said, you know, I'm going back to school. She went back to school to the University of Florida and studied to get a bachelor's degree in computer engineering. And like graduated, Kuma assumed something, I don't remember what it was. But she's a very smart and hard-working woman. And she's always been that model of strength and faithfulness, too. And Davey can attest to this, getting here faithfully every Sunday morning with Davey and setting up things, setting up the cafe. And thanks to, to Brad and Beth here, kind of running that, picking up that mantle. They see, and Beth was telling me last week, we understand how difficult of a thing this is. Every week, week in, week out, that faithfulness, that strength, without fail. And she's very strong, that's right. <laughs> strong, Davey says, for if you're listening to this mile later on, stronger than he is. She grew up on a farm, and she could whip your butt, okay? The last part of Psalms 31 says this in particular. It says, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and, her, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Psalm 31:30: charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord, reveres the Lord, right, is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Honor her. So we have a lot of biblical instruction to honor our moms. This is not just a commercialized holiday. You can see it that way if you wish, but throughout Scripture, we see plenty of examples to lift up and to honor our moms. They've been there for us for a lot of things and have taught us so much. My mom has not lived a perfect life, but she has never given up. Never. She's never given up on serving the Lord. She's never given up on her calling, and she has never given up on me, for which I am so grateful for. Much like the Lord, she has loved me through all my successes and all my failures. Years ago, I remember that she was with me in the, the biggest failure of my life. Because of sinful mistakes that I had made, I had resigned my position in a church. I was going through a divorce, and I was at the lowest, the very lowest point that I've ever been in my life. I had no job, had no money, had no place to stay. And she did not judge me in the midst of my failures, but she loved me. She prayed for me, and she gave me a place to stay. And most importantly, she didn't give up on me. I've seen in her the same love and tenacity of a God who never gives up on us. That's really what I want to talk about today is about a love that never gives up. And I think, you know, I know not all moms are perfect and maybe not everyone's had the experience that I have had, but moms typically do show this kind of love for their kids that never gives up. There's many of those moments where they you know, smack their forehead and they're like, oh my gosh, what are you doing, you know? And they're like, you know, I wish they would just straighten up. But they never give up. And God has that kind of love, a love that never, ever 
gives up on us even when some of the biggest and dumbest mistakes we've ever made in our entire lives. And God shows us that kind of love that will never give up very clearly in Luke chapter 15. And I want to look at that today as we go through. In Luke 15, 1, we've got a few stories that Jesus says back to back to back to make this particular point. It starts out, of course, with the Pharisees, the tax collectors and sinners. It says they were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So here we go back to the Pharisees again. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them, but look at what Jesus has to say about this. He says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus says that his love for us is he's willing to leave the 99 to go after that one that's been lost, that's, been, that's wandered away. You know, and then what you typically hear in our society is, well, we've got 90, 99, forget about the one. But Jesus says his kind of love is a kind that does not give up, that goes after that one. And he says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins, and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. She wasn't going to give up. She swept and moved everything, cleared the entire house to find that one coin. And then it ends, this, this particular chapter, talking about a story that we're very familiar with, but a great reminder this morning, and that's the story of the prodigal son. So Jesus continues. He says, there was also a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Then it says, and then not long after that, the son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to feed to the, his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, there's that moment, right? When he came to his senses, you find yourself at the very bottom. And there's that moment where it kind of hits you in the face. And here he is, he says, and when he came to his senses, he says, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. 
And so he got up and went to his father. It's a great, encouraging story for me. Being, I felt like I was in that place when I ended up going and moving back in with my mom. Lord, I'm no longer worthy. I'm done. It's over. The rest of the story is amazing. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. We've talked about this particular verse a lot, but I still like to bring it out, the fact that his father saw him from a distance, right? And that's the kind of love I believe that mothers have, too, for their kids at times. They, they, if they've gone the wrong way or they've gone astray in some way, there's that, that longing, that desire for them to, to come home, if you will, to do right, to honor, to honor the Lord. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was fulfilled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, look at what the father does. Look at the love of God. Quick. <laughs> he doesn't, there's no time of, of sit here and, and think about what you've done. Although your, your mother's probably said that to you, right? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, you sit there and you think about what you've done. But <laughs> look at what Look at this. The father obviously rep represents God in the story. He says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. You know, the ring on the finger and the sandals on his feet was a reminder of, of something pretty special that he still belonged. Get a, get, get a ring. Get sandals. Because this is the ring. These are the sandals that we wear at this house. This is where fit. This is where you belong. Welcome home. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You see, love, the love of God that we're talking about this morning is a love that never, ever gives up. It never ever gives up. It always perseveres. We have to read 1 Corinthians 13. We can't deny that. 1 Corinthians 13, it says that love is what? It says love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. That's the love of God. And I believe in, in, in many a mom, the love of a mom, too. That whole passage is very unselfish, isn't it? How many times have mothers given up things for their kids to the point that the fathers were shaking their head thinking, what are you doing? You know, we're the sometimes the strong disciplinarians. That's just dumb. <clears throat> Why are you doing this? But, so anyway, today I want to I wanna honor Jesus for that unfailing love. I want to honor my mom as well. There are two people who, is, who have always loved me and never let me go. 
In Romans chapter 8, I was reminded of this passage thinking through this. It says this, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how, he, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or, so or sword? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I don't want to put moms on too high of a pedestal, but I see just a lot of comparisons when I think about a mother's love with this kind of stuff, too. You know, there are so many moms who say, there is, you know, you mess with a mom's kid, what happens? You know, you are going to pay the price. I think Rainy would just claw my eyes out, man. Chris would be holding her earrings, as her phrase goes, and it would be, would be over with. The love between a mother and a child is so strong. We see that same kind of love perfectly displayed in Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It says, as we continue in that passage, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. It says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can separate us from his love. How refreshing and amazing is that? Especially when you're sitting at the bottom at the worst point in your life. And you feel very unloved. You feel nothing but a failure. If you've ever been in that place, to know and to be in that moment, but know that even that does not separate you from the love of God. His love for you is it's unfathomable. And, and we could consider and list all kinds of situations. How could God love you in this scenario in this scenario and with moms we have the you know we, we call it the mom goggles right you know how can a mother love this you know? <laughs> you know but god god's love for us is surpasses that you're like what does he see in us and the bible says we're but dust but he loves us so intensely so deeply to the point that God himself, the one who made us, came down, became a man, and died on the cross for us to restore that relationship. It's just unfathomable, the amount of love that he has for us. It's incredible. 
I remember as a kid that my parents were divorced when I guess I was about seven. I'm not really sure exactly what age it was. And we lived with my dad and my grandparents um, primarily, but we always looked forward to seeing our mom, loved our mom. And we would look forward to these particular times that we would have with her, we would spend the summers with her, just have a big chunk of time. I remember one of the things that my sister would always do is we would, we would get our lawn chairs out, and we'd get an idea about when she was coming. And I think we might have underestimated how much time, it was, how close she was. But we would sit out on the front lawn with our lawn chairs just watching the road. You know, just waiting for mom to get there. As much we loved our mom, how much we looked forward to seeing her and to being with her. And I remember that we, we still have this thing today, and I'll go over to, except for this time because she's working right now, we still have this thing today where we go over to her house and I'll pull off, you know, with me or with the kids, and she'll be outside the house. And some of your mom's parents might be like this too. And they'll wave goodbye to you. But it's not just a single wave and she goes back in the house. She stays there until we drive off. As if, like, if the connection was cut, there would be a, a problem. But it's like our thing, you know. We, we always watch until we're out of sight. It reminds me of a passage of Scripture with the disciples. Thinking about the disciples who had fallen in love with Jesus, walked where he walked, went with him every moment when his ministry began. Literally, the, the term for what the disciples were, if I'm pronouncing this right, was a Talmudim. And the whole point was that they would literally kind of walk in Jesus' shoes. They'd be so close to him that, that his dust would be on, on their feet. The life that they... You know, when they followed him around, they lived and watched him so closely that it was natural for them to, to truly be in love with the Lord for the time that they'd spent with him, but most importantly, for who he was. And so this time comes in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where, where Jesus is ascending. He's going to the heavenly realm, and, and Jesus is saying, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is your holy calling. And after he said this, it says that he was taken up, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were look, looking intently up into the sky as he was going. You just picture them, all the disciples just standing on that hillside, just staring up until they couldn't see him any longer. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and it says when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, we're talking about angels here. It says, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. He's not gone. He's coming back. 
This morning, I just want to encourage you to have that kind of love that longs for him. To remember his love and to honor the Lord today. But to also remember the love of a mother that she has for you. And to honor her today. Let this be a day to honor two people in your life that, that have that kind of love that never gives up on you. Honor the Lord today and honor your mother. Can you stand with me? Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for you. You are the highest example of what it means to love and a love that you give us that never gives up. Thank you for loving us that way. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. And Lord, today is a special day, and we, we do want to honor our mothers today. Lord, we want to love them and, and show them gratitude for all the things that they've done. Lord, we know that our moms aren't perfect, and, and there's, I'm sure, been plenty of failure there. But Lord, nonetheless, we are so grateful for all that, they, all that they've done for us. And Lord, we just, we, we honor you and we honor them today. Thank you, Lord, just for your love. Thank you for the love of our mothers. Lord, we, uh, we remember that passage, too, that says we, this one commandment with a promise to honor our parents and particularly our mother today so we can live long. And prosper. That's not what it says, but we get the point. We love you. We're so grateful for all that you've done. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.